the Sound of Hockey episode 276. We're calling this one the Kraken Experience episode. Why are we calling it that, Allison? Piper! Piper. And Allison. <laughs> Experience! Unlocked. Wow. <laughs> On We've Sound unlocked it. Oh, the whole gosh. experience is in studio. And the whole experience. Yeah. The whole experience. Uh, Curtis, do you want to explain why we're going with 276 then? Uh, yeah, episode 276 is, uh, we're calling it the... No, it's... We, you yeah. came up with you it. You had it. This was your thing. I, I know. Okay, the, well, it's the experience episode because the No, Kraken, but it's the Kraken experience episode. The it's the Kraken experience episode. experience episode. Because Allison and Piper are here, but it's the Kraken experience episode because... Good start, everyone. Good because start. Because yeah. yeah. the Kraken have scored 2.76 goals per game this season. Bingo. We did it. Wow. We Blame got it. Amazing. Eventually. Uh, so that is a pretty sharp start, I think. Um, this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL to Seattle on the X. And also Curtis Izaki. Hello, Curtis. Hello, everyone. Deep Sea Hockey on the X. And I wrote down a note to myself. Don't forget to let Allison introduce herself this time. And I'm also going to include Piper in that because last time, Allison, I didn't actually That's give true. you a chance for that. Well, so. I did interject because we had face-off comments right. that had to be addressed. Okay. Piper knows about face-offs. I, of course I know about face-offs. I would hope most people know about face-offs. No, but they, how are you going to introduce yourself? Yeah, that's really yeah, what you're- I am Piper Shaw. I'm at Piper Shaw TV on the Twitter. <laughs> Allison. And Allison Lucan. Hello, Allison. I'm Allison L on the Twitter. Two L's, but not together. They are right. apart. Right. Uh, we are very happy to be with both of you. Thank you so much for joining us in studio. It is a thrill. It's very exciting. <laughs> Um, 90 minutes on face-offs coming. Yeah, yeah I also- Face-off goal in Boston. Yep. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he, yeah, let's talk about that actually. Um, <laughs> Piper. <laughs> because I know that the argument is that statistically and directionally, it doesn't matter, right? Face-offs don't matter. Am I correct? Correct. Okay. correct. However, contextually, there are moments where face-offs are really important. Do you agree with that? Correct. Okay. So the the general blanket statement that Allison you've made in the past that faceoffs don't matter. Possession matters. Possession is what matters. Correct. Okay. But and the Kraken historically, at least last year, I haven't looked at necessarily the analytics this year to be able to back this up. But they were very good at gaining possession even without winning faceoffs, which explains a lot of the success that they had, particularly last year hmm. and through the end of the season. But last you, year. Allison, if I'm not wrong, you said. That winning a face-off does give you a better chance at getting possession, though. So if it's you like a win a face-off, indicator. you have possession. However, comma, the second part of the comma yeah. is that if we look at face-off stats, they are often incorrect. They are scored incorrectly. Oh, like based on who comes out with the puck. Well, it's so subjective. Like, if, Is that if what you're you, saying? Right. I feel it's way too early for us to get into this debate. Well, yeah. we're and, way and off I don't track. think there is a debate because I think we're on board now. I, like, I'm feeling a little provoked. No. Yeah. No, no, no. They're, they're poking the bear. They're poking I, the experience early. Hey, I, I went into the, the rabbit hole and found that winning the face-offs don't, don't matter. It Well, it doesn't necessarily, like the statistics of who won the face-off battle, I don't think there's any It doesn't tell the story Correct. is the problem. It doesn't tell the story of what happened or what face-offs ended up mattering. Uh-huh. And it also does not necessarily indicate who actually got possession of the puck and then was able to actually do anything with the yeah. puck. Just because you won the face-off does not necessarily mean that you got possession. I, okay. I'm so proud. I was advocating oh, the same you. point last night at the Boston game. Wow. Just so you know. To, to somebody who's new to the game. 
we have a couple of reviews to share. These oh, are fun okay. ones. Okay. Uh, this first right, one comes from Regripped. It's a five-star review. It says, this podcast will make you a Kraken fan. I really like this one. I'm a longtime fan of hockey, but admittedly did not know much about the Seattle Kraken. I, described, I decided to subscribe to this podcast and immediately became a fan of the team due to the passion, insight, and humor that the hosts provide show after show. If you want to know what is going on with the team from an informed fan's perspective, this is the one to listen to. Uh, they also have one of the best logos in the podcast game and great audio that is not undermixed. Shout out to Sam, the editor for that one, both of which enhance the overall quality of the listening experience. Since the hosts read most of these reviews in real time, I need to make a special request for a teal shirt of that logo uh, and some crows circling the Space Needle. Sounds pretty cool. I have a lot of feelings about the crow conversation that I've heard uh, as a recurring topic <laughs> all right. on this we'll, podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Hold on. Let me put a pin in it. Wow. If you if you listen to the pod, you know it's crow season, and hopefully it will be the Kraken's year this year. Whatever the outcome, I will definitely keep being a fan of this Is pod. That Thank crow you so with much. A K? Nope. No, like the mm-hmm. bird. No, I know. Uh, C R O W E, like Russell Crow. So speaking of which, we had another review. This one is from Frozen Seaman, S-E-A-M-A-N. It says, best podcast, my favorite crow-related podcast, the only way to keep up to date with the world of crows. Um, Valid. Yeah. That's it? That's it. Cool. Yep. Oh, that's good. So thank you for those. Um, yeah, we are your your foremost uh, crow-related Kraken podcast. All right. So I was going <laughs> to guide us towards, um, I had just written down a list of discussion topics that I wanted to talk about with you guys. So why don't we just start with that then, your take on the crow situation. Crow talk. Yeah. And we don't need to beat a dead horse here. We've obviously talked about crows a lot the last couple of weeks, but- pro- Horses crow. are not involved. It's just crows, just to be clear. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Just crows. Um, Darren, I have a lot of sympathy, empathy for your situation. Mm -hmm. As a homeowner, I understand how frustrating the elements you cannot control can be in that journey. However, crows are an animal that are meant to be respected. They're Mm, one of the smartest animals on Mm. this planet. The entire corvid group of creatures are very intelligent, very cool. They can use tools and stuff. I feel like we should just kind of let them do what they want to do. I feel that way about octopus as well. And dolphins, personally. Yeah, I don't want to get involved in those either. (laughs) I think we just let them do. We let them do what what they they want to do. I'm sorry about your yard, but really yards are such a trivial thing to worry about, frankly. You know, like, oh, my patch of grass that I own. The government lets me have this patch of grass. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Put it that way. (laughs) You know? Makes me Just sound let the pretty, crows. Let the crows have it. Pretty terrible. All right. Our next discussion topic <laughs> is uh, your cat, Nova. I'm really curious. I'm curious about your cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did literally write this down. It literally mm-hmm. says Piper's cat, Nova. So that's a big cat. Yes. Um, Not the big cat. A big cat. Just yeah. to be clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is this a cat that uh, has like tends to eat a lot and not exercise or like what? what's the deal with this cat? No, no, I'm just, no it's valid. Cat? Also, um, what's funny about this is that, Darren, before you were here, I was telling everyone else about right, the I was cat late. picture. I know, I was five because, minutes late getting here. No, 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 because oh. last night we were sitting <laughs> waiting for Coach Axel to come out for post-game media, and I received the original photo of Nova on my phone, and I had to show you as we uh, were huddled yes. in silence. I yeah. was like, Darren, please look at this picture of my cat. Mm-hmm. She looks so stupid and fat. And he was like, yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> and then I got home, and I was like, no, the internet needs this. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Nova is a very large cat, but I think she looks larger because she has a really small head, which okay. is why it's even Ooh, funnier. She is 16 pounds, which is a big cat, uh-huh. but 
She was not always the big cat, though. not the big cat, okay. a big cat. Yeah. She was always big though. Like when we first adopted her, she was like five months old and her paws were really big and her head was still small. And we're like, this is probably going to be a big cat. She does. She's normal. Like she, she flits about the house and runs around. She plays. Does she flit? Yeah, she flits. Interesting. Yeah, she flits around the house. Okay. It's quite an experience. Ooh. <laughs> Great segue. My next topic: What is the experience? Can you explain that to our uninformed? I mean, we're in it. I think I think we're literally right now. Seeing, yeah. Well, we're, we've Tom- also been able to bring it to you in some segments in the pregame show. I will say, and if you notice, we plant an experience Easter egg every time. Every time. If you see Allison and I on camera, there's always together, an experience Easter egg. Yeah, there is an Easter egg every only time. When only when we're both on air together. together. You know the problem? What? What? It's home games. You know what you can do? Stream it on your phone on the Fubo app, mm. John Barr. Correct. Also, I, we're actually on air all. a lot more together on the road That's because true. a lot of times. It's just logistically easier to have us to do a segment in the pregame show while we are on the road. So, so not can, a very good excuse, John Barr. Are you watching Kraken pregame? I, I don't know. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> I do. It's, it's on <laughs> as I'm prepping food or something like that. Can, okay, can you give well, us an example of one of the Easter eggs that you've put in there? Or is it the same one every time? Often it ends up my responsibility, frankly. <laughs> but we workshop it. We workshop we it. We do workshop it. It's usually just a mention of the phrase, the experience or and okay, an experience in a very deliberate. Subtle way. Yeah, subtle, yeah. but like clearly on purpose. And there's like too been many men things in Carolina. That have, right? Like yes, that correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's been certain ones where um, our producer and director, Pat yeah. Brown and Ryan Shaber, have audibly groaned <laughs> in the truck, in the TV truck when we're on the road and be like, oh, you guy. Which, shout out to Pat Brown, because he is the creator of the phrase. He coined it. The Piper and Allison experience. Oh. Mm. Yeah. He did. So it's and his it was. Fault. It was last year when the Kraken did their favorite things baskets for the auction. Allison and I put one together, as we also did this year. Mm-hmm. And Pat, in good faith, he was trying to promote our basket, and he retweeted it, and he said, as someone who gets to live, hashtag the Piper and Allison experience every day, you really want to bid this on this basket, or that's yeah, loosely what those, it was. Yes. And we were like, the Piper and Allison experience, that's a selling point. And now mm. we're a sticker? We and have now a we're logo? A sticker. Whoa. Yes, yep. we have a sticker. Um, Fans have where made are us they? stickers. They're Ooh. in our possession. And yeah. maybe if people yeah. actually watch the experience on air, they'll get one. Oh. Yeah. Man, yeah, that was like, that's not, not fair. That is not well, fair. It is Got fair. You good. I'm the biggest fan of the experience. How can you be? You're not even watching. You don't even know what we're talking Ooh. about. Brought up the idea of having you both on. I don't know that. It was John. Okay. It was. Well, Darren, deal with your crows. We'll talk to John. <laughs> uh, all right. Next topic. Uh, Can wearing... I give one more example real quick? Sure. Like, yeah. legitimately, we both went to the game yesterday dressed almost identically without- That was my next topic, wearing oh. the same outfit on Monday. Yeah. So, on accident. Uh, yeah. So- on accident or- No. Accident, li- okay. So, literally- and we have almost worn the exact same dress on air. Multiple times. Multiple times. Mm-hmm. Because we have the same dress. But a piper was kind enough to pick me up yesterday because the weather was inclement, mm-hmm. as they like to say. Mm-hmm. And I got in the car and Piper said, I was like, um, so I'm also wearing green pants and a black jacket. <laughs> and she just looked at me in silence and she was like, well, let's go. <laughs> let's do She's it. She's like, of course we are. We're like, this is the experience where we're wearing that. We do share a lot of clothes, though, especially on the road. Thought, we're shocked. I, we actually fin- I actually finally saw a comment from this last road trip. And I am actually impressed with us that it took this long for people to pick up on because we will share clothes a lot on the same road trip. Yes. Hmm. All, like 
almost every other game will rotate yeah. an outfit because mm-hmm. it makes packing a lot easier. Very oh, much so. How, do, how does the experience change on the road other than sharing clothes? Like, do you... It's a safe it place. Breakfast? It's a safe place, I think. What do you mean? How do we change? No, what is no, the no. experience? How does the experience change? Not how do you change? Yeah. Like, what is, is the, the experience... experience on the road when we are oh. in our bubble? Well, one thing is when we're on the road, obviously the focus is all about work mostly because your schedule, your life is, you know, dictated about the travel of the team and what we're doing and all of that. So I would actually say that we get to spend a little more time together mm-hmm. on the road. And, you know, when you're looking, how will I eat tonight? Well, I will go with Allison. Where does Allison want to eat tonight? Like, it's like we order lunch together a lot because DoorDash fees are out of control, mm-hmm. as everyone <laughs> is aware. <laughs> so we'll split lunch mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. We'll like... Well- order a bunch of food to split over a three-day trip. <laughs> like, I'll pack that, you pack this. It's, you coordinate the, the we road coordinate. trip anyway. Yep. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, That's nice. I like that. It, it is nice. Wholesome. I'm we thankful for the experience. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have little moments that we'll keep to ourselves where often we will end a conversation, be it on electronic devices or in person with, and that is a perfect example of the experience. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Those Very are special. Nice. Are you guys going, are you going to Vegas, Allison? I will not be. Piper will be. You are going with my husband, apparently. Oh. Well, we'll be there at the same time. Yes. Yeah. How about I'm that? not sitting where he's sitting. Oh, yeah, you know I, I, know. I, mean? I heard where he's sitting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next topic, we had a note from Curtis that he wanted to take a trip down the Alex Barre Boulay. Oh, that was me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was you, that John. That was me. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm always willing to go down that, that well, memory lane, though. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's. Well, I thought it was journey. He, he was placed on waivers last week. Oh, he was. Yeah. So funny, okay. John. <laughs> Do I have to deal with? They're this? tough guests. This, this experience is... is not what I signed up for. <laughs> so funny, an unpleasant experience. But it reminded me. I mean, I I retweeted said bring him home. Right. I saw that. Were you Were you working for Root at the time? Yeah. To start the season. Yeah. I was here. Yeah. You were down in Vegas. Uh, okay. I was actually in Columbus for his first game. That's right. I was going to get to that. So anyway, I, I'm not sure a lot of listeners know how insane that was because four players went on COVID list. Mm-hmm. Yanni Gord was hurt, started the season hurt. So was Callie Yarncroft was on uh, protocol. Colin Blackwell was hurt. So they basically had nobody to play their first game ever. On Monday, they were supposed to play Tuesday in Vegas, or they did play Tuesday in Vegas. On Monday, those COVID announcements came. Boulay went on waivers that Monday. They, they claimed him. Then he would not play the first game because the four players that got added to the COVID list on Monday got cleared on Tuesday, which I still don't know how they traveled down to the game. Because that was, I think they had a private to the Vegas game. Yeah, Yeah, they had. I believe they had a private. Those four had a private. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Never knew that, but Hmm. then uh, he wouldn't get into the second game in Nashville, but he did get into the third game, which is in Columbus. Had an assist in the game. Would get into the next game, I think it was Philadelphia, got smoked. Eventually, Yanni Gord gets healthy, and then they open at home on that Friday. Yarncroft comes back, and so then they need to clear space, and so they put him on waivers, mm-hmm. and then it gets claimed by Tampa Bay. Goes back to Tampa yeah, Bay. Yeah, two weeks later. So he had two weeks, he was on the Kraken, tied for the least amount of games played for the Kraken, mm-hmm. who have played at least one. If it two. sounds in your speakers like John is <laughs> oddly fading in and out, it's because he's looking, the, the angles are a little different tonight and he's trying to make eye contact with everyone in the room. So half the time he's talking into the microphone and half the time he's not. So if that's just fading in and out, I just wanted to kind of give some okay. context. Speaking into an oscillating fan. It was like, <laughs> that. yeah, it was like, yes. like <laughs> Should I hold it like I'm talking? Mm. You can just like not do this thing where you're okay. Kind of like I'll look straight ahead at the cardboard it. box. It's right in perfect. front of me. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Anyway, I thought that was a fun story because he was put on waivers over the last week. So. Okay. 
Very good. Nice memory lane trip. Uh, sorry, I thought it was yours, Curtis. Yeah, I was, well, he's the biggest fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. am his biggest fan. Why? Uh, because at the time, I thought it was great. That they and so I was, I was claimed him and then up. lost yeah. him. And then, right. yeah, he was gone two weeks after that. Yeah. Kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was fun. Uh, our next topic is, uh, Piper, I know you had an unforgettable trip to Mexico recently. <laughs> oh, it was unforgettable. unforgettable. Yeah. You could say that. I uh, <laughs> stepped on a jellyfish. <laughs> what? I got- Keep going. Pooped on by a bird. Oh. I would use other words. But what did we I'm see? I'm not sure it's allowed. What did That's we good see? luck, though. We had a thread of- Iguanas. Yes. Correct. Wait, there was another bad thing that happened oh. to me, which is I also got food poisoning Oof. for three days on my trip. It's a rough. Yeah, That's a rough it was, trip. Yeah, That's a rough trip. and I didn't love the resort that we were at, but you know, good weather and hanging out with my husband. Good vibes. That's so what the it's all weeks good. Are all and about. Um, yeah. there was iguanas falling out of the tree, and they were great entertainment for me while I was not feeling well. Also, Allison, um, familiar with some iguanas on her trip as well. So we were sending a lot of they're videos in, and pictures and iguana updates. Well? Oh yes, of course. How am I supposed to know that? We had a whole they're iguana chat. In tropical places. Yeah. yeah. And I was we in the a... Keys, not Florida, just to be clear. Oh. They're different. It's different. If you've been there, you understand. Okay. It, if I'm sending mail to Florida, what state FL. am I putting? It's okay. The vibes. I just want to different vibes. vibes in the keys. Just wanted to make sure yeah. we they haven't annexed or whatever. They did try. Do you know that? The keys tried to secede from the Union and form the Conk Republic. That is a true story. I knew that oh. because Allison told me that once. <laughs> so that means it's definitely true. They they I trust certainly her. they certainly did it. not mention Florida in Kokomo, but they did mention the Florida Keys. So that's how you know Totally Jimmy different. Buffett is from the Florida. Well, he used to live in the Florida Keys mm. before he passed away. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's right. One mm-hmm. time I went to Key West and I went to that bar where, who was the really famous author that lived there? Uh, Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. Yep. Ernest Hemingway used to go there. And, and you know I... about his cats? They have five toes. Oh, that's pretty common with cats. Well, they, they have an extra toe then, whatever mm. it is. They have an extra toe. And you know it's a Hemingway cat if they have an extra toe. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How about that? Okay. Um, anyway, I bought a, a t-shirt <laughs> from that bar and I was in college and I was really poor and it like overdrafted my checking account. And then my dad got really mad at me because I had to like ask him for money to pay for my checking account fees. So that's my experience. In, to buy a- To buy a t-shirt. I was that- A Key West t-shirt? Yes. A Key West t-shirt. Darren. Yeah. It was a tough moment, <laughs> you know. I was in college. I hope you still have that t-shirt. I don't think I do. You of no. Is this what you were wearing Foolish, when you- short-sighted decisions. Arrived in Monte Carlo. They have five wearing front your toes t-shirt? and four yeah, back basically. toes. You see? Our cats. Five front toes and four back toes. I knew that it was pretty common for cats to have an extra toe, but I didn't know it was like a kind of cat. I didn't know it was like a Hemingway cat. Yes. Uh, my last topic, Piper, you're a big Disney adult. <laughs> Why- <laughs> Why? Correct. She's why a normal-sized adult, just to be clear. I'm a normal-sized adult. But. Um, why do you think that that's become... I almost feel like it's a negative thing when people are yeah. like, oh, you're a Disney adult, right? Why do you think that's a negative thing? I don't think it's a negative thing at all. I dabble Ooh. in Disney adulthood. Well, I think it's a negative thing because there's a lot of people who are like really intense and crazy mm-hmm. about it. Like spend a lot of money that they don't have to do other things and don't go on like... Any other kind of vacation, don't want to see the world. Like, like sporting I think, events, right? Yeah. Like fans. Sporting it's just a fans. different kind of intense fan. Okay. Right. I mean, I think it's- John's describing yes, John, himself. Yeah, I don't know. You're correct. It, yeah. But I think that that's kind of why it gets such a bad you know, representation and whatever. There's a, there's a lot of people who are like really intense about it, but I think that's true of any kind of fandom, frankly. I'm not intense about it like that. I go on all kinds of different vacations, but I just, I love- 
music and I love animation and I love storytelling. It's a lot of the reasons I love sports too, to John's yeah. point. Like, and I, I'm like a recent convert to a Disney adult. I don't think like, that should be I didn't negative. grow up going to theme parks and stuff. I didn't Not have just that for kind you, of privilege. So Disney adult. I think that's fine. <laughs> My husband, on the other hand, he grew up going to Disney World. How old were you when you first went to Disney? Do you remember? I'd like to go around the room. That's just a quick Well, thing. I technically went when I was two years old. I don't really remember it at all. And then I didn't go again until I was 21 because my best friend lives in Orlando. And I went to visit Orlando. her. And I went to Epcot. For the first time that I remember, I had I didn't know what anything was. Do you have an older sibling? Yes, I have an older brother. Okay, so he probably remembered. Yeah, and we actually went world. for his yeah. fifth birthday. Okay, okay. When I was a kid. But What's yeah, the right age a for a kid to go? Well, it depends if you want them to have a good time in the moment or remember it. It depends what your capacity you. is as a parent yeah. and how wow. much you can handle. I mean, it's a, it's a lot. It's a Piper Shaw scale. I have, I have a podcast for Disney adults that's, in case anyone was wondering. It's called Where right. the Magic that's Happens. Right. No, I, that's right. I keyed in on that. That's right. Yeah, it's fun. It's very rowdy. It's a rowdy podcast for Disney adults, but... I love that. And it's definitely for adults. So, Curtis, when was your first time going to Disney? You know what? I, I don't recall specifically, but uh, growing up last. in Maine, we would uh, we do our vacations in Florida. So, mm. I, a few times as a kid, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but can't remember specific age. Question. But yeah, yeah. yeah. We used idea. to go. I don't know when my first time was. But we used to go like literally every year. So, oh, wow. my family still goes. They have little kids, so like now the Disney adulthood has become. It's totally like back to being not a thing that people talk about because they have little kids. So, But they do go a lot. There's something in Minnesota, like a lot of people, like it's the vacation in Minnesota because it was the same for my husband's family. Like it was like they went to Disney and my best friend, like they were Disney vacation club members. The only thing they did, if they went to Hawaii, they went to Disney's Hawaii. They went on Disney Mm. Cruise Line. They went to Disney World. Like that's all they did. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know. Hmm. I, much like Curtis, went. Often. Often and on our way to the Keys, right? Sure. Mm. On your way through Florida, through Florida to get to the Florida. Keys. No, which, yeah. well, when I was because we did, we would drive down because <laughs> my mom grew up going to the Keys as well. So we would drive down to the Keys, but we would stop in Orlando for a few days and go. And I remember when Epcot opened; it was so exciting. Mm-hmm. I loved Figment. Mm-hmm. He's oh, so yeah. cute. He's, they're bringing it. He's he's popular as ever yeah. these days. That weird little purple guy. No, but you know who my favorite is. Um, Pete's Dragon. Elliot. Mm-hmm. The original, not the fake second one. That's not a real thing. <laughs> the original. I was Elliot. listening to the Pete's Dragon soundtrack so the other good. day in your Cheer honor. up, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was listening to it. Thank you, Allison. I was experiencing it. <laughs> this is, you, you asked, this no, is the experience. This yeah, is what We're happened. getting it. We're getting uh, it. We are technically a Kraken podcast. Oh, we're going <laughs> to. We're going to talk about hockey? <laughs> we're 24 minutes in. Well, we talked about Alex Barre Boulay, so... The, the only important Kraken topic yeah, that I can yeah. exactly. Literally. Yeah. We did have a, there was actually one more topic I had written down here, uh, which was why aren't we defending the deep? Because I keep seeing people say that on Twitter and I just think it's kind of a funny thing. They're right. asking that question? Yeah. Okay. Why aren't we defending the deep? Who's we? Uh, you know, just I am. folks. I'm well, out here hey, defending the deep Chet, every day. Chet asked us to defend the deep. Yeah. But yeah. I guess I don't understand what, what they're saying do? is not happening. The team has been winning at home or collecting points. That's true. The fans have been good. Yeah. I think it's more so when they lose, right? Like, why didn't we defend <laughs> the deep? So, well, right. We're actually it... better this year than we were last year. I'll bring year. that to the next post game press okay. conference. Can you ask? Good job. Uh, ask all that? Hey, Vince. Yeah. Question for you. I no, the walk off. <laughs> Interview, the intermission. No. That'd be good. Yeah. That is not, would no, not be not, allowed. Not the appropriate time. It wouldn't be allowed. No. All right. Don't do that. Don't More get yourself in trouble. More of a post-game moment, perhaps. Okay. Maybe a practice day question, even. Yeah. Um, it made me think of when I was in 
college, there was uh, this kid that sat behind me at the Badger games that would, whenever they got on the power play, like he clearly didn't know anything about hockey, but he wanted to shout things. And when the Badgers would like have the puck and then they'd turn it over and then the power play looked sloppy, he'd just yell, set it up. Why aren't they setting it up? And the whole season he did that at least a few times a game. And it reminds me of that. Just like, okay, defend the deep. Man, you should, uh, defend sit in the, it. you should sit in the stands a little bit more often. Cause there's that, only four of the last the 11 games. That dialogue is common. Oh, the we're getting a, getting a stat. Hold on. There's only four of the last 11 home games that the Kraken have lost. And of those four, in two of them, they got points. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel so that's the, pretty like good defending. So the deep, the deep is being defended, yeah. is what you're saying. Something tells me the Minnesota one stood out to some fans. Well, yeah. that wasn't a good game. That's right. True. Can confirm. Yeah. Uh, speaking Thank of which- Thank you for your insight, as always. The last <laughs> week- experience. The last week has been weird, I would say, because I have felt very much like, and I guess I kind of said this last week too, but with every passing game- my thoughts on like what this team should do swings wildly back and forth. Like, ah, oh, they should sell. They lost. It was a terrible game. Oh, they beat Boston. Maybe they should. So I'm in this weird spot and I'm, I'm wondering if either of you have, cause we've all discussed it here ad nauseum. Now I'd love to hear your takes on what you think should happen here in advance of this deadline. Well, I think how you're feeling is normal mm-hmm. and natural. And I think my, thank vi- you. I feel, no, I appreciate that. I feel Validation. seen. Validation. Validated. <laughs> I feel I feel validated. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. But I think I think we have to remember for me, big picture, like we'd rather have this kind of energy than like, oh, it's over energy. That's true. First and, season energy. And I also, and I say this on the record all the time, this team is not in the window where we need to lose our minds if things don't go as optimally as we would love them to. Because yeah. we're still building towards a true window of Stanley Cup contention. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we shouldn't win. That doesn't mean winning isn't fun. That doesn't mean the players aren't working really, really hard. But I I do think that we've seen over these past few games and we will see over the next, what is it, four now until the trade deadline, they matter quite significantly. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you talk about this too, Darren, in the standings and and things of this nature. To me, the other thing is I think there are a couple teams ahead of the Kraken that are likely to sell for more high-pressure reasons than the Kraken may or may not. Mm -hmm. So I am compelled and intrigued and in seeing what the team is going to tell us they are all about in these next four games. Hmm. But I think you're right in how you feel. And I think that's normal. And I think the team has been up and down. Like the Minnesota game doesn't make a lot of sense given right. what we've seen. So I think it's right to be like, what is going on? I was kind of thinking about this before the Boston game, kind of saying like, you know, this is it's do or die time this week. But I also realized that they could even sell some assets and still randomly squeak into the playoffs. Right. I think Losing somebody like Wenberg or Everly or Schultz will hurt. It makes the team weaker, but they're so close that they could kind of stumble in the playoffs still. In so, theory, you could replace Schultz with Riker Evans and yo, still make totally. it. I'm just saying yeah. that in general, they're so close that even if the odds are long, they still have odds to make it, even if they were to sell off some teams. That's all I'm saying. So. And the Kraken have only been deadline sellers once, and we all know their play improved after after yeah, they sold that's them. That's my point. Well, like, okay, but that's that. <laughs> I'm joking, Allison. Don't worry. That you have to be careful with that because a lot that happens to a lot of teams, and the the knock on those teams is, oh, well, now that the pressure is off, right. and so you have to beware the post sell off bump. But I also, John, I don't disagree, but I think that as a general manager, if, and I certainly don't have access to Ron's thoughts, but if you're going to sell, 
you have to sell like this is no longer oh oh my gosh we need any draft pick that we can get like you have the right to be selective in any trades you might execute and i do think it is valid to consider the impact on the room of who you would send off a hundred percent players take that very seriously of what is the message the front office sends in terms of what they do at the deadline i also Mm -hmm. think this room in particular we know there's such a close-knit group and a lot of the you know personalities that people are talking about being on the market are really they're they're core to the identity of the group which doesn't mean that they're not on the market obviously and it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to stay or that they don't have value to other teams but it I do think that that really matters to this room and the identity of this team because as everyone who's listening knows as everyone in this room knows the identity of the Kraken's very different from the identity of other teams and that's that's a big part of it too is when you bring somebody in how will they fit that room and that identity and that playing style too so it's tricky also you're valid darren your feelings are valid i think we're all there at the boss of when you're like okay so we're gonna win that game huh? yeah all right all right well now what (laughs) but then you do look at the standings though Mm -hmm. right and nashville keeps winning so that gap they're not really closing it right they have Technically, what, four teams ahead of them, I think, between. Is it between them and Nashville? Is it three teams? Three teams? Okay. Um, Although all three of those teams, I think, lost tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Calgary won. Calgary won. Okay. But Minnesota and St. Louis both lost, right? So it's just, it's, it's so hard at this time of year. And I, you know, it's just when you get to a point where you have to leapfrog multiple teams and any of them can get hot at any time like Nashville is doing now. It's just it feels like such an uphill battle. So, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. I I feel like every day I have a different opinion on what I think they're going to do and what I think they should do. So it's been very confusing. This whole this week was very confusing to me. It does feel like an uphill battle, but I feel like that's one of the things that like this team loves Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's so motivating for this group versus like knowing they have something in the back it seems like that never that's never a good mentality (laughs) for them to be playing with and I think they know that though I don't think that's like that's not a secret they love a challenge they love to get up for a big game or like just a a big challenge I think that it's actually good for them and going back to like talking about their identity in the room I actually think that it's a very motivating factor for them no that's a great great thought I every time they seem to be in a position where it's like all right they can be a little comfortable now like I think back to you know last season they like they went on their break they're in like guaranteed almost guaranteed playoff spot they were playing so well then they came back and they just stunk right and you're like huh what's going on and um kind of same thing this year like all right hey you made it into the playoff spot at thanksgiving that's such a big big thing people talk about and then we came out of the thanksgiving break and it was like i don't know what's going on here like you might be right about that anytime there's a little bit of comfort lunch pail mentality Mm. that's what dave haxall said that's right well i tweeted it earlier this week and they've They've beat Florida. They beat Vancouver twice. They beat Boston now twice. Vegas. Vegas. Like they've beat some some really good teams, and that's that's I think the challenging part to like rationalize what's going on. McCann said that this week. He was like, "It's really frustrating that we don't play yeah. like this after they smoked Vancouver five to two. Right. right? He said that after the game. Like it's really frustrating that we don't play like this every game because we know we can. And Jordan said that. Uh, ahead of the Boston game as well he's like just finding that consistency it's like it's it's frustrating he's like I know it's frustrating for people watching and it's frustrating for us we're all sitting there looking around like why can't like what's happening why can't we do that you know so I think that sentiment is shared throughout yeah um 
we don't necessarily need to dig into the three games that much. Uh, I did want to at least talk, though, about when David Pasternak, it looked like he had scored a hat trick and a bunch of Boston fans threw their hats on the ice and then he didn't actually have a hat trick. And then the Oops. Kraken ended up winning in a shootout. And now we had a lot of people with cold heads and they lost. So I thought that was very funny. Any That's thoughts on that? Hockey, baby. That's <laughs> cracking hockey, baby. That's cracking hockey, baby. Yeah. Any, any other nuggets you guys want to touch on from these games though i mean i think andre burakovsky has looked okay really really solid here we great go topic that's a great topic i love it which will also lead us to some kfc talk and other things so yes carry oh. on please no i i just think he is real like i we were talking about this earlier this week and i said he looks big mm-hmm. and he's playing with speed and he's mostly really strong and hard on the puck and i think he's going um, and I think that's huge for the player and for the team, honestly. So I think I can't imagine coming back injury after injury after injury like he does when you have to put your body on the line like any of these guys do. And I think it's just such a great sign to see the confidence and compete. And you're you're seeing the skill coming back full force as to why the Kraken wanted to bring him into this group. Do we want to talk about the line changes at all? Sure. Speaking of sure. Burkowski. Sure. Go ahead. I, I, well, I thought they, they switched <laughs> Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand, mm-hmm. and I thought both lines looked better yes. than they did at least Minnesota, and I think even maybe the best they've looked in a while, a lot of those players. Haxel so. has been very hesitant to break up that Gord line because they've been so good for the vast majority of their time together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he does it, it's like, all right, let's try this for a couple of games, and then all of a sudden they're right back together. So, you got to think that like if they play another bad game, his reaction is going to be to put those guys right back together and then it'll be like, oh, look at this incredible, but this that's incredible okay. line. It's and almost that's like okay. a safety. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. I think sometimes given a player a different look and Bjorkstrand said it himself, he didn't think he had been playing very well. Uh, he needed to get inside more and do things like that. And sure enough, he scores a goal by going right to the front of the net and deflecting it in. So, Can we um, talk about that goal? Sure. Because it, it, to me, it was the Winberg play. That brought it into the zone. The patience. There's five Boston Bruins looking at him, trying to position, try to fill lanes. And he just puts this little soft little pass to the to the blue line, top of the blue line. Borgen just slams it home and Bjorkstrand tips it in. But that's the value in Wenberg that I am going to miss, assuming he's not here next year. Wow. Oh, I love I, – I, He's that, pro Wenberg. I see that. I know, I know I am. Wenberg fans in this circle here. Oh, my gosh. Here. It was like – I've seen that so At many times, two. right? Yes. I remember seeing it in the playoffs. He'd not make the easy play. He'd be patient, do his magic with his feet, and, and moving the puck off his feet and find somebody. I just love that play, and I don't think Wenberg gets enough credit for that. I think there's a lot of people that realize it, the small things that he does that sets – other opportunities up but anyway i love the wenberg play obviously the tip was awesome too so you're speaking to the intangibles of alex wenberg expert that is allison lucan allison i would like you to have you seen him play before allison well i will so a couple fun factoids (laughs) so before last night's game when he said ollie and when he were sitting next to each other said oh so you're back together and when he said, I think Oliver is the player I've played the most with my entire career. Mm. Ah, and he's actually wrong. Oh. <laughs> As Allison let them know wait, later. Wait, can we guess? Yeah, can we yeah, guess? Yes. Is not a Kraken member. Correct. Non-Kraken. Correct. Non-Kraken. And, and it's only by 70, after last night's game, it's only by 70 minutes. Is he a Florida Panther? No. Is, is he a Columbus Blue Columbus? Jacket? No. Was he a Columbus Blue Jacket? Yes. Yes. Okay. Is he in Philadelphia? No. Uh, is it John Tortorella? <laughs> No. <laughs> They're not going to get it. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Just kidding. Sergei Bobrovsky. 
No, a skate. Uh, no, a forward. A forward. Gotcha there, didn't I? I don't know. I'm out of it. It's I, Nick Felino. Okay. Oh. Yep, never would have gotten that. We could have yeah. let but that this one is, go And on this is now. my campaign. That's the good Felino, right? And this Not is, anymore. Nope. This is why when I always, yes, factual. Uh, I love Marcus Felino. I love personally. Marcus Felino also, however, comma. Uh, but this is why I always say, like, and I say this with love, our group that does our show is top notch, could not, there could not be better. But I always wish that we would show the play, show the shot, and then go back and show the whole play. And that's when I clip plays, you always see the entire play because it's not necessarily the shot that matters. It's the plays that go into developing the goal. Mm-hmm. That or the turnover. To, oh, man, I love well, that. Like, or even last night, it was the Burakovsky drive to the net prior to the play off the faceoff that led to the goal that two Bruins come and cover Burakovsky because they just saw him dangle yeah. in front of the net. So they're trying to prevent him leaving Dunn all alone to go. Was it Dunn? I forget. To go and shoot and get the goal. So mm-hmm. you have if you. And I've talked to some of the players and they're like, I'll mention something to someone and they'll go, yeah, that's the play that mattered. It's not the stuff that shows up on the score sheet. That's the play that mattered. Yeah. They care about that, though, too. Yeah. (laughs) It's one thing if you're like watching the NHL versus hockey at different levels. I feel like those types of you don't get an assist for driving the net and taking coverage, but it's like kind of like you should. You know, it's it's contributing to the situation that allows the goals. You just. NHL players are so good at that. And Wenberg is a great example of like setting up plays for his teammates. Maybe he doesn't always get a point, but like he's involved in these plays and you just don't see it as much at jun- like junior levels, mm-hmm. for example. It's just it's it's a big like if you're out there and you you know, you go to a T-Birds game or something like that, you'll see a lot of cool things, but you won't see a lot of those types of off the puck kind of goal assists. It's it's a unique thing that NHL players. Speaking of which, did you see the well? It was the play that Gruber had that big save mm-hmm. uh, with Marshawn, the two two yep. big saves. Yeah. But the whole sequence, it was a faceoff win, and then Pasternak like whipped, or it was D to D. Pasternak whips behind the net, and the second D pass sends it down low, and then Pasternak sends it right across Marshawn. It was. The sickest play I've seen, and they didn't get a goal. But like that's that's playing together for so long. It was amazing. It was amazing. I okay. know exactly. What okay, you're cool. About. It was amazing. I was like, I, was like, I think oh it was our save gosh. of the game. Yeah, I think it was yeah. also. I was like, ooh. That's... Yeah, I know. So lucky. So lucky. Yeah. It was so sick. Those are good yeah. hockey players. So right? but, yeah. And multiple Kraken players. And actually, when we were on this last road trip, I talked to some coaches and players on other teams with no provocation named Alex Wenberg as one of the smartest players in the league right now. Hmm. Do you think Man. do you think the rest of the league thinks he's that good? Like or do you think people well, are sleeping also, on him a bit? It's so matters. unique. It also ma- yeah, it matters what you need, right? Yeah. Like what he's doing on the Kraken is he's playing in literally all situations, PK, power play, even strength. Mm-hmm. He is so smart in terms of transition and playmaking. His defensive yes. aspect of his game is literally yeah. so important for this team. Piper, you're don't... so right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, well, she she probably watched ESPN the drop a couple of weeks ago. I saw somebody on there that said all the same stuff. Hmm. I mean, oh, no, Andy, Piper's very smart. He, he brings the white stick game. So no one, right. no one else brings it's that. camouflage. It's old, like unfair. the old Wenny White stick. He yeah. broke one last he night. Did. It oh was, no! It was, I was yeah. sad. I was hoping he had a backup. Have did. you been on that show before, Allison? What's that? The drop. Yes. Okay. But I, you were probably cooking in the kitchen or something. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard yeah, show both, to track we've down. We've both been on it before. <laughs> Bologna. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, I knew uh, that. The experience is on it, yeah. you know. Anyway, very good, obviously, but uh, as always. But Coach Haxall clearly 
trust Alex Weinberg, yes. probably beyond any other player on the team. I think he's the most used on faceoffs. So like not <laughs> oh, on wait, the wait, fly. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, faceoffs? Okay. I, I know. I know. I'm not. I, I'm saying, but it's deployment. It's not like to win a faceoff. It's like he's the he's the forward who's sent out there, who's the coach chooses to send out there more than any other. Forward. Well, and what I see is is he's always. He's the one that has to go face the weak side on his weak mm-hmm. side, right? On a power play, like they put him out first. Yep. And like his his faceoff numbers are probably pretty low. Not that they matter. No, don't <laughs> but, matter. Um, <laughs> they don't matter. But I, it's it's partly because he gets these really crappy matchups on his weak side and on the power play. So anyway, or the penalty kill, I should say. But anyway, uh, if love I, I'll tell Wenberg. you what, this if is I a were Wenberg if podcast, I were an opposing. Sure team and i were listening to this podcast which i'm sure many of them are like a you know a general manager of another team and i wanted at least 20 yeah at least 20 general managers for sure yeah Yeah. for sure sure. i would probably offer up my next three first round draft picks for alex yeah that's what i would do. yeah reasonably yeah i mean it's a starting point right to start yeah to start and then go up from there if that gets turned down which (laughs) it might so uh (laughs) that's the old uh who is the guy that the Piper, do you remember? Um, oh, Martin Hansel. Remember that when the Wild traded for him? They were like, they're like, all right, we're going all in. Oh, not Martin Hansel. Yeah, the big guy from in Arizona. Yes. Yeah. And Arizona had somehow like boosted him up across the whole league, and everyone was like, biggest trade deadline potential acquisition, Martin Hansel, right? And then the Wild throw the whole kitchen sink at him. They mortgage their future, and then he just is terrible. I, was like, I don't remember that specific trade, but that uh, definitely sounds like something the Minnesota Wild would do, <laughs> yeah. past, present, and future. Yeah. So yeah. Now, I expect nothing less. Nothing I'm not, less. <laughs> I'm not saying that we're boosting Alex Wenberg in that way because I think he's genuinely had an awesome, awesome season. And to your point, all of your points, I don't think people – see it you know even locally and nationally i don't think they realize just how important he is to teams um i think they look at the point the points i think they look at how much he shoots the puck and that's not his thing he's not a big shooter although he has shot more i think Do you know he's top 10 in the league in terms of percentage of shots that are on target is that right yeah so he doesn't waste he doesn't shots. take bad shots what's, he, what's on target yeah. does that mean on net okay Hmm. Not missed shots. We're just varying our word choice. You know, as broadcasters, we get we get tired of old words. I am team like Micah Blake McCurdy that all shots should be shots, and then what we currently today call shots are shots on target. Mm -hmm. Every puck fired towards the net is a shot, and then it is either missed, blocked, or on target. How, How do you know if it's on target if it's blocked? Right. Well, it's never. It's not because it's blocked. Okay, that's right. So it gets to the target. It reaches the target. Correct. Target reached. Correct. Target reached. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's what they do in soccer. I think they have shots and then they have shots on target. And it's usually like three shots. Yeah, at one time, Burakovsky had 66% of his shot attempts blocked. Hmm. I don't think he's doing that anymore. Is he's he? not. He's not. That was, that was like, what's so funny over there? You sure? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing's funny. <laughs> okay. Being no. Berkey. Just being Berkey. Yeah. What about the one he play he had a- the other night where he like turned the defenseman i think it was like lohey or something like that i didn't know that guy from boston he like turned him inside out and he went then went to ohio state okay and the then ohio mm-hmm. state uh he just got like hung up and couldn't quite get the shot off before he went down if he had scored on that as his first or his second goal of the season in his 28 games that he's played or whatever 
That would have been. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I was sitting in my little dark hallway watching on my little tiny monitor. And I was like, Berkey. Yeah, that would have been. <laughs> I, was, I was really hoping that was going to be the one. I that know exactly what one. you're talking about. And also, uh, how about Morgan Geeky? If his goal had stood up before the Kraken accurately charged goalie interference, charged, challenged, that would have been quite the story also. But alas, it was not. Shucks. Yeah. So I had the privilege of sitting in the press area for the game. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting next to the NHL.com correspondent. Who's Um, that? uh, That's Darren Brown. (laughs) Oh, interesting. (laughs) It is. Um, And uh, he was pretty furiously writing different different versions of his story that he needed to file. It was a stressful one. It's the worst. It's the worst. It was a tough one. uh, Yeah. And then I, it's always tough because I want to like juggle. Well, I don't want to admit that I'm the Twitter intern, but I want to, yeah. You don't, you don't want to admit that. Don't, don't admit that. that. And in no, no. games, to the end. in games like that, it gets really hard to do that. So, like, if you notice that the Sound of Hockey Twitter account tends to get a little quieter in the third period, it means it's a stressful story that somebody's writing. But Curtis was just quietly sitting there next to me the whole game, and I realized as I'm like literally sweating because I was writing it back and forth so many different ways, and I'm finally like, "Hey." would you mind sending out a couple tweets like as the game is over? And he's like, yeah, I probably should have offered that 20 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) That gif of the cat that's like typing really fast. Piper has to sit next to me on the road when I'm furiously. I get to. I get to sit next to you while you are. While you are furiously typing. Also, depending on the situation and the score, I'm usually also in a. Well, maybe helping. I'm sometimes in a state, you know, when we're. Prepping for a post-game interview when you don't know the outcome of the game and it is on the line in the last 30 seconds, like, and you don't know who you may talk to or so what you may end box. up talking about. You're in the press no, box. I'm downstairs. No, we're downstairs. Outside oh, the but downstairs. I have a little monitor, as you guys know, mm-hmm. that I sit and watch the game off of my little monitor, which is in live time. Even on the road? Yep. On the road. Same oh, wow. situation. Oh, it's worse on the road. It's worse, worse on yeah. the road. <laughs> I'm hovered next to her, plugged into a second box so that I can hear it real time because yeah, so, so, the broadcast is delayed. She'll come down so she can sit and watch off of my monitor with me so that she can see it in live time, too, because she's usually filing a story and prepping for locker room interviews as well. So I do. I do want to say I really appreciate you two on the road for asking great questions in the room. I watch all the the interviews after. Interesting. Why? Go ahead. Continue with your compliment. No, I'm just saying I really appreciate when they're on the road because we don't. I yeah. should be careful not, what I say here. There's not, but, no, uh, there's not a lot of people. I mean, it's fair to say there's true. not There's not a lot of Which people. Which is usually like, standard for a lot of teams, to be yeah. honest. Like, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like literally just me. But there can be other questions and they're, and they're not a, always as good as yours. And I always, I've said this before, Piper, Yeah. that you're great at what you do, but I always think you have more, I, I want to hear more from you and more insights and more analyst stuff, even though I know that's not always your role and you got to, but. She's well, giving you her analysis in her questions. If you if you think of it that way, That's she's valid. showing you the immense amount of work and knowledge and brilliance that she has because she's no got one, too. no one yeah. is doing that job as good as Piper Shaw is in any professional league right now. Wow, and the work wow. that she puts into what she does, contract up shines. <laughs> And in all seriousness, if you listen to what she asks, she is giving you analysis. Well, that's where it pops is in the post-game scrums more than the walk-offs sometimes because those are pretty. And any win, I stay and watch the, mm-hmm. the walk-off in at home. So, But anyway, I 
You should get your own podcast. Okay, well, someday. okay, thank yeah. You. yeah, about was, Disney. Okay, thank you, Allison. <laughs> thank you for your kind words, John Bard. Thank you very much for your kind words as well. Um, there's a lot of aspects to my job that I don't, and to my role that I don't know other people know about or are aware of. Like, it's not just intermission interviews. I do a lot of other work. But I know that. Also, inside the, the, like inside the, the intermission interviews, like there is a lot. Like those are my questions and there's a lot that like goes into them and like I'm always considering like who can actually speak about this based on what I know about these players how they speak what kind of questions they respond well to what they don't like certain guys they need really specific questions certain need really really broad questions there are certain topics that some of them are better at speaking at than others and all of those I have notes about which player we are talking to like it's like it's not the same interview it is a different interview for every single one of them in every single moment and Piper has also pivoted last second all the time all the time it's like something happens in the last 20 seconds and so it's like and I'm very deliberate. A completely different player. Off, yeah, it happens a lot. We've had several players. And does the just have to pivot? Does the type of answer you get from a specific player change based on the context of when you're yes. talking to him? Like, 100%, so hundred percent. Mid game, one thing. Post game, there's certain totally players that person, are like, no right? matter, yeah. no matter what I ask on the bench, it's not being as um, considered and thought because they're all in they're, different headspaces. Versus yeah. certain players are, I know they're better at intermission and I know they're better at certain things. Certain are better before the game, after the game. In in locker rooms, practice days. Certain players you can get great stuff from on a practice day. Certain players, it doesn't matter. They just want to go home. Like, right. there's so many things to consider, and yeah. also like the length of the question, the detail of the question, the how how specific it is or how broad it is. It really it depends, and I am pretty deliberate about all of that. All right, but cool. anyway, yep. thank you. But so this is a great segue into our mailbag which we had thrown out some questions or an opportunity for our Patreon listeners to provide some questions to you guys. So uh, for, and by you guys, I mean Piper and Allison. The experience. The two females. The experience, yeah. right. Yeah, so you guys <laughs> is how you're supposed to say that, right? In the um, Midwest, it's a generic term. Yeah, it really is. I use it that way, yeah. but I don't know if I'm supposed to. I don't know either. I don't know. I, don't know <laughs> I always what, say you guys. what I'm supposed to say about anything anymore, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Just sing the outros, Darren. Okay. Gosh. Shut up and sing, Darren. (laughs) So we just have a few questions that uh, came in from our Patreon supporters. Thank you to our Patreon supporters. Go to uh, patreon.com slash soundofhockey if you'd like to be a Patreon supporter. Anna R., Thank I'm also. You. Wow. Oh, we're both. To know yeah. that was public information. Right. <laughs> well, we're sharing it. Anna okay, R. says, can it. you talk more about how you prep for a typical game? Isn't that an appropriate question based on what we were just talking about? Uh, how much reading about players, et cetera? What stats do you look for? What else are you doing? You always are so informative. Wow. Do you want to start or should I start? You can start. So for me on a typical game day, uh, usually it starts like, well, it depends on the context of the homestand or the road trip or what, you know, is all on the line, obviously. So all of that is context that is just being considered in the broader conversation when we're figuring out what we're talking about on each broadcast, obviously. And like if someone's injured, like where are that where are they in coming back? When should we kind of loosely plan for those kinds of topics? But usually on the broadcast, I get like the third maybe most relevant topic in our game open because usually Jeff Forslund, Eddie Olchek, JT Brown, they got to hit the big notes, right? The stuff they really want to dig in and 
dig in on rather um, on the game open. So part of my role is casting like a wide net for information that <laughs> it's not my job to grab information for people back home to use when we're on the road, but I know that people are using it. So I kind of consider that like just kind of trying to get the news and notes of the day in like a broad sense of like what matters today, what are kind of the big generic storylines of the day. But also ultimately it's my role to make sure that we have sound that we can use on the broadcast if we decide to in the pregame show or the show. So knowing if it's someone's, you know, a big milestone game or someone might be back from an injury or there's a big line change or whatever those things are, it, it, that's a big part of my role and being ready to approach morning skate knowing that we need to try to gather what we can if available things on those big topics. So, um, And that goes back, that gets fed back into the pregame show. Yeah, and to everyone, yeah. potentially. Not all, like, it just depends on then if the producers want to use it. Yeah. And some of it's all just too. for background okay. information, okay. too. You know, like, we might ask, you know, we might ask questions that are just for, like, um, like an in-game thing or a little, you know, if it's like a milestone game or whatever. You know, it, it totally depends on what's going on, basically. So, one, you just got to know kind of, like, being in the groove of what's going on with the team and all of that. Um, so, essentially, it's just, like, the stories of the day. Being hip with the stories of the day gathering what we can as quickly and efficiently as we can essentially on the stories of the day that's how the day starts we go to uh, sorry i don't want to speak for both of us but i always go to morning skate all of those things go get sound and then it's usually reconvening with our producers on what they want me to speak about that day and then kind of pulling that together and then also i try to spend a lot of time looking out for things that we can use for like sponsorship elements or other stories like in game so like prospect like prospect updates Everyone knows I'm always good for a good Furcus Circus update or like someone who like played <laughs> who together in college yeah. or like a world junior team or like an Olympic thing, like those kind of little stories based on the particular matchups. Um, so I'm usually kind of looking for those. And then it's also um, figuring out who we want to talk to on the bench for our pregame interview and why. And then making that request and being deliberate, going back to the earlier thing about like who we want to talk to and why and what are those topics that we need to talk to that specific person about. Like sometimes it's like, oh, you want a leader or you want to talk PK or this particular matchup, whatever it is. So just a lot of communication, I would say. And then. We hit the ground running once the broadcast comes around. Sometimes I'm down to the tunnel and your little monitor. Basically, and then just riffing. Mm. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Allison, anything you'd add to that? Um, mine's a little different. Very different. Very different. We have different roles. <laughs> In that, so my work starts the day before, if not, I mean, you're always watching trends and what you think. And so I'm pitching stories to my producer the day before. And I have a whole list of things I go through on both the Kraken and the opposing team and looking at how they play, how are they effective, what parts of their game are available for exploitation, what parts of the Kraken game are going, which parts are not. And then I'll formulate my pitches of what kind of analysis I want to do in-game, one of which is always a key to the game. And then I will go into Morning Skate, much like Piper, where I always feel, I mean, people care what I think, but what's more valuable is what the players and the coaches think and how they're approaching a situation mm -hmm. that I've identified. So I really want to hear from them and gain their insights, which I will then bring to the broadcast. And after we solidify what we're going to talk about, which is usually after Morning Skate, then I will go home and I will identify which video clips I want to show, what do I want to show, what's important to highlight, how do I want to highlight it, 
How long will that clip be? Are there graphics? Are there statistics that we're showing on a on a visual form? And I will design all that and turn that in, and then they make it look pretty. Um, and then I compose all my notes and get everything ready, and then we rehearse at 5.45, and then we go on air at 6.30, and then in-game... Riffin, <laughs> straight riffin. In game's kind of wild because you have to you have to figure out what the story of the game is, and then do all that work I just described in enough time to accurately tell the story of the game, but also give your team enough time to prepare what you're going to show, both mm. video, graphics, what have you. So about the ha- halfway through the period mark, you're talking with your producer, you're talking with your video team, and saying, "I want to show this, 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 and this. Can you highlight this? Can you highlight this?" And then you have to be ready if everything like. There's a falls apart, falls apart, literally. And then you have to tell a different story. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. um, a lot of quick, instant analysis. That's why I said riffing. That's uh, <laughs> listen. And then strategic riffing, strategic it, riffing. I imagine, Allison, you have like some boilerplate things you always look at, right? Zone entries or face off possession, <laughs> face off wins <laughs> and losses. But I think uh, you I think you have to be careful, though. Like I do have things I look at to ground what I'm seeing. But there's a lot of times that the game is is based on a different point. And well, that's that's kind of where I was going. Yeah. It's like you have those boilerplate, but then you're like you see something that makes you go, I want to look into this that isn't necessarily readily available. Right. And so then you have to like scramble to kind of get at, you know, whatever stat you're trying to prove out or disprove for that matter. Um, and I can imagine that's kind of stressful at times. Well, right? I mean, and that's the thing, like as much as I love data, like that's not my only thing I'm looking at. Like I can sit like I just did and talk about right now how I think Andre Burakovsky is playing really well right now without a single number. Right. And I think that, you know, hockey in particular, we don't have enough data to let that be our only story. And so my eyes guide my stories first. And if there's data, that's great. Or if I just say, look at how good that was. And here's why it created space. Yeah. Or this is good because then it, you know, created space for Vince Dunn to shoot later or it challenged the goaltender or, you know, it pulled the defense over here or whatever it is. Sometimes that's what I do. And like not as much as I love data, I don't you can't always get it. And I don't even sometimes care if I have it or not. It's different ways to ask a question, though. Like sometimes you can look at data and that's like, oh, I'm curious about that. Is that true? Is that what I'm seeing? And then vice versa. You can look at what's happening and be like, that seems like it's happening a lot or it's not happening a lot. I wonder if that is the story that the data can help color as well. I don't do it as well, but but I essentially go through the same process because on if I see something on Saturday night, I go, I want to look into Burakovsky getting a lot of block shots, right? A lot of his shots are being blocked. What is going on? Is that is that me just thinking that or and so I'll spend like an hour or two figuring out how to get that data, scale it, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it does true it. But often the data doesn't prove it. Then I'm like, eh, that's not a point I'm going to bring up. That was just an observation. Yeah. So, and I think it's different too, right? So like in pregame, we're doing analysis that's broader brushstrokes like that. But in game, you're really mostly telling the story of the game. Yeah. So whether or not someone stinks and is just having a good game or someone is great and having a bad game, you tell the story of the game. And I think that using data to ground what you see when you can is great. But again, you know, it's funny because people are like, oh, you're the, you're the data person. I know. I hate that. And I like and I have been this person and I'm not saying this is you. I've yeah. been this person so I understand it, but I do see a lot of people like when they find data they start being like, "Look at this number, isn't this cool?" I'm like, "You're not you're, you, that yeah. don't do that." Yeah. Like you're misusing it and you just don't understand yet, so we have to be careful 
solely relying on the numbers. And so, again, I think particularly in-game, my storytelling comes first what I see versus like what a number says. Well, and to your point, Allison, you have different roles in different games. Um, I know our listeners know you're between the benches sometimes. And then in other games, you're kind of maybe in different locations, but maybe still doing kind of the intermissions and pregames and postgames. Um, but how how is your daily preparation or your routine different on those days that you know you're going to be in between the benches, if at all? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's much the same, except that I'm preparing materials to have with me that are quick hits that I can reference. Because for me, at least, you know, I think I personally think JT is one of the smartest voices in hockey. I think he looks at the game in a fresh way, in a way it's evolving. So my my role, at least from my perspective, is not to just do more of what JT does. It's to do something different and to augment the great things that John and JT are already saying. So it will be similar, but I will be looking at it more in terms of are there data points that I can have available to talk about based on what I think are the kind of plays that might happen? Or it could even be like Joey Decord has, you know, a great third period save percentage, just sharing that at the start of a period or something like that. I remember one of these. I think I think this was between when you were between the benches during uh, the Chicago visit to Climate Pledge. It might have been the first one. Did they visit twice? I think they had three games. They've I can't been remember. here twice. Yeah. Yes, I was, one yeah. was, I was there the first the time. First, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was during the first one. And you mentioned that Chicago led the lead in takeaways. Mm-hmm. And I that sent me down a John-like rabbit hole of trying to figure <laughs> out whether takeaways is a bad stat, which I'm still kind of like working. If like, I tend to indi- think it is. Indicative. Yeah. Well, it's kind of subjective. and But is it kind of like hits in that it's right. kind of indicative of, oh, well, you don't have the puck. You don't so like takeaways? Is that what I heard? Well, I don't, I don't know... I, To me, philosophically, I feel like the number of takeaways that one team has should almost exactly equal the number of giveaways the other team has. And it never happens. Well, I was going to bring up giveaways because that's not a good stat. What I I like, what I've been obsessed with lately, and you guys have referenced it in your work, is I do think it's fair to look at take plus minus in terms of what's the overall trend in terms of how much more do you take away the puck versus give away the puck. And I look at I have access to some stuff that unfortunately isn't publicly available that I look at loose puck recoveries. Mm. And I think that that's a a battle level, if you will. And we're showing it on our postgame scorecard. However, sometimes the data resolves after we publish that and it's not updated. So I'd love for that to be a little more accurate to the game. But I and we all saw, right, that they totally audited hits. Hits got totally (laughs) changed. So I think that I like it just... In my mind, it does not. If you tell me that the Anaheim Ducks took away the puck four times, doesn't that have to mean that the LA Kings gave away the puck four yeah. times? And it no. rarely does. And so that I, I, I'm suspect. Gotcha. I've, I'm enough. with you there. Yanni's suffocating that, that's question one. says that was question one. <laughs> We're gonna have to All go right. a little shorter with yes, these next yeah. ones. But that was uh, a, that was a general question. That was a big question. Yeah, that was yeah. We're done now. Given. <laughs> Given that both Piper and Allison are people with hugely varied interests and experience, experience, hmm. oh. experience, and, Good job, Yanni. and talents, uh, Piper, her music, and Allison, this is her what, third career, right? Ish. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would love to know what both of them are, quote unquote, working on now regards to their, with regards to their careers. Uh, <laughs> none of us are, st- none of us are static. What are each of you ambitious for? Well, um, I don't know if I can really speak on what I'm ambitious for in my career, because as I've shared on previous Sound of Hockey episodes, like the role Action that I sports. have now is kind of what I 
always was working towards. I would love to be able to like do more and do some things in some different ways. But I think that covering one team is I'm more interested in covering one team deeply rather than like trying to make some big jump to a national broadcast. Not that I not that that's not something that, you know, maybe someday I would like like to do. But I do not necessarily consider myself a highly ambitious competitive person. I just like to like do the work. I really do. And and going back to when we were talking about being a Disney adult, like I like the storytelling. I like I like all of like the whimsy that's around sports and around like getting to yeah, just tell these stories and ask these questions and like dig in with the fan base and be invested in that kind of thing. So like for me, like that's a big part of why I love my job and like this career. So it's not really about the ambitiousness for me. And that's different for compared to like a lot of people in my role and a lot of people who get into broadcasting on purpose it's it is different so um I guess I'm not really like working on anything other than just trying to get better and trying to be more useful and trying to learn more and be more effective and you know learn how I can help fans more learn what they want to know and how I can be a better like teammate and make better content and all of that like that's what I'm more I guess ambitious about professionally hugely varied interests is very true though what i'm working on is my house i Mm. bought a house (laughs) i was sanding some knotty pine walls all day today any spider issues lately yeah you know i'm i'm very invested in getting rid of the black widows that once infested my house uh, I'm always working on stuff around my house. I am really interested in that kind of stuff. I also, like they mentioned, I, I make music. I love to write music. I just like writing stuff and like thinking about stuff is just, I can't, I can't not. I'm always just stewing. I'm always stewing. I'm always scheming. I'm always writing little things in my notes app and just like thinking to myself and weaving my little webs you could say <laughs> with nice words spider, like nice spider pun yeah, that's yeah, good yeah i i really am um and then also i like i mentioned earlier i just started my little podcast with my like little disney friends so that's i'm not ambitious about that but it's just like for fun so that's oh. been a, that's been like a nice thing like away from work just to have like a little silly vibe mm-hmm. so yeah allison please speak okay <laughs> i will thank you so i have an ambition no okay. i uh no i agree with everything piper said about doing deep dives and connections with teams. And I don't have necessarily like a, a goal that I need to be somewhere else, but I feel very strongly. Um, I've called myself a data-driven storyteller for years. And I think quote unquote analytics has a bad reputation in a lot of sports. And it's like so, being a Disney adult. No, that's a good thing. Uh, oh, okay. No, no, it is. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> it's only good to the communities that like it. I like it. Thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> but <laughs> it's good to me. I, I I love analytics too. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I am very passionate about helping, if not leading, defining the standard for how we use data in particularly hockey. I think that we're entering a phase where people are looking at numbers and they're it's great and they get they'll get up and they'll read something and they'll use a very technical term and I think we're missing opportunity to connect the insights that data can bring so that is my ambition is to define a standard for how we use data in hockey to tell stories 
Yes. There is quite literally nobody better to do that than well, you. That's very and nice. you've been the best at it for five years. Well, thank you. Right? So that's at nice. least mm-hmm. since you were on my radar. Well, so anyway, you do a great you. job at that. Thank you. So many um, compliments tonight. Gosh. This this is part of the, in all seriousness, this is part of the experience. Wow. This is true. We bring, a po- we bring a positive vibe. Yeah. It's a big part of the experience yeah, is, is mm-hmm. positivity. Uh, yes. Benefit I, of the doubt. Um, <laughs> a I couple do, Oh, go ahead. I do agree with Piper that I continue to learn and try and get better at my craft. Um, and outside of work, um, I do love to knit. And oh, how did you describe? What? I I'm never not, knew this. Oh, yeah. Big fiber artist. And then how did you describe fiber my- Fiber artist. That's what we're called. Amazing. And then how do you, I'm not into fitness. What did you say I am? Well, we drove past a gym on the way here. And I was like, oh, look at all the gym people. She goes, I'm a gym person. And I said, no, you're not. You're somebody who cares about your health and your wellness and taking care of your mind, body, and spirit through physical activity. That's different than a gym person. And she was like, you're right. <laughs> so so I do a lot of, like, I, I am certified in yoga. I'm a personal trainer. I do a lot of- She goes for big hikes and big mountains. She's yeah. off the grid for like two weeks. Oh, Feels right. so good. Ben Doesn't Gordon. sound like something Nova the Cat would do. Oh, no. I could take her. No, she... <laughs> Did you know... Um, she doesn't like to be outside. You know about the, the Chevy Nova, the car? Yes. Yeah. And it sure. it kind of failed because Nova is... It was no, no go. Spanish for doesn't go, yeah. right? Or it doesn't that? go. I wish you knew my cat because you would know all of that is so accurate. Like, right. Our other I, that's cat, what I'm saying. We've, is we've it's, got two cats. The other cat is like beautiful. People are obsessed with her. They meet her. They're like, oh my God, I don't even like cats. This is the best cat ever. And then Nova walks by and then it's like... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, we always go, we always go. We love Echo and the other one. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, we love Nova too, but Nova's just a silly goose. She's just here for like, she's just here for a good time. She's not the star of the show though, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, we had a couple different questions. Paul K, uh, that's Paul Klein, our yeah, friend. We, yep. we love him. Uh, and then Friday Foster, they both were asking about just like how awesome it is that you're, well, I mean- did you imagine your? I'm going to actually ask the question. How about that? Great. Okay. Ten years ago, this is from Paul. Ten years ago, could you slash did you imagine yourself being in your current positions covering a new NHL franchise? How do you imagine the next ten years unfolding for you? And then Friday Foster says, seriously though, how awesome is it to just be doing what you're doing? You're both amazing! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Ten years ago, I did not imagine. First this. of all, thank you. That's nice. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Paul, thank you so Friday much. Friday and Foster's, Friday yeah. Foster, thank mm-hmm. you so much. Um, God bless. Thank you. <laughs> Ten years ago, I did not imagine this, but five years ago, I did. As I shared on our last Sound of Hockey appearance, I was very deliberate. I had gone into my last boss's office and I said, I will work for the new NHL team coming to Seattle that does not have a name and has two employees. Crap, we just, I will be, be there. Flew and into he town said, for your "Good luck, Mo- have fun." Yeah, I was like, "Well, and where oh. are you now?" And here I am. So going? I feel definitely smug is not the word, but I definitely I, I always am like I manifested that. Like I was like, "I'll figure it out," you know. And I guess I did. So, but then to the other question, how awesome is it to just be doing what you do? It is awesome because it is exactly what. I wanted to do and what I worked for and what I had in my mind and what I was manifesting and the goal that I had um, that I deliberately <laughs> worked towards. So it feels great because that's exactly what I wanted. So, and it does like the job not- that you're doing. You know, I've heard you say this before. Like there's literally 32 of this job in the mm-hmm. entire world and yeah. probably a lot of people that would want to do it. And so like for you to say like, this is the job that I want to do and it's pretty 
long odds to get that job. Right. There's a lot of people that would it's want that. It's harder to have my job than it is to be an NHL player yeah. statistically. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, There's less of me, rather. Right. And for, yeah, for you to just say, I'm going to go do that specific job and to actually do In that do specific it. city. Yep. And realistically, if you really were saying, I want to work for that specific team that Which doesn't exist yet, there's one of those jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And you went and got it. So that's and pretty cool. I remember sitting backstage at the expansion draft, seeing Jordan Everly and Chris Streaker back there. And I was like, I am here yeah. posting the expansion draft. <laughs> yeah. I am here interviewing these people. Hello. Super I. Cool. Cool. I was just going to say, was that I took a selfie with Cami Granado and we yep. sent it to Tony because I was in Wisconsin right. to yep. Tony Granado. And, and she was like, what are you doing here? I was like, working. And she was like, wow, <laughs> does Tony know? I was like, I think so. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> it, was that your biggest pinch me moment, do you think? Mm, or do you, have you had more? I don't know. That was definitely a, that was a very, very big one, especially like at the expansion draft. I interviewed like Jerry Bruckheimer. Oh yeah. And he came up to me later and he told me I had a bright future. And oh, I was like, nice. wow. Yeah. I wow. That was really cool. That was a pinch <laughs> me moment. Also, honestly, one of my biggest pinch me moments in my career is the first awesome. time I interviewed uh Sue Bird. Because mm-hmm. I also covered the storm. Oh right. Yeah, that was definitely I was one of the only interviews I've ever been like nervous for mm. with Sue Bird. Mm-hmm. Allison. Oh, I mean, ten years ago I was just hoping I could actually work in hockey and not have multiple jobs. So, um, <laughs> literally. So uh, People think about that kind of thing? That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's weird. You know, <laughs> that's um, weird. No, and I, I think that if you look across hockey, it's rare to come across the start of something new and, and find some people who are trying to do things differently. And um, I certainly did never think that of all the people that I would end up being on TV and being able to talk about the game the way I look at I'm we think I'm the only woman on TV as an analyst who's not a former national team player. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very, very cool. And I just hope people like it. I think they do. They do. I really think they do. <laughs> and you were so close to that national team, too. <laughs> yeah. Very, very also that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen yeah. I've seen the clips. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. good. I've speaking heard about of, her learn to play experience. Speaking of spiders, by the way, she might have been closer to making it as like the That's national true. team mascot. That's true. That is true. Right? Also, part of your story. Also. Richmond Allison spiders. Allison always teases me because I have it's a adorable. verbal tick that I actually, unfortunately, absorbed through osmosis of my husband of saying, also, also. Mm. He does that, and now I do it, and she always calls me out. But it's usually a big also, transition. It's usually a big thought transition. I don't know. I'm just I'm always scheming, I guess. Always scheming. Uh, we'll just do one more here. You you are both amazing from KDN. I would love to know more about the logistics of traveling with the team. Do players or other staff sleep on those late night flights, flights back from the East Coast? Do people always sit in the same spot? How are meals done on the road? What, if anything, are the players or other travelers in charge of in terms of logistics? Well, players, I don't think the players are doing much for logistics. Am I correct on that? So every NHL... Uh, Every major hockey team at multiple levels has what's called a team services person, Mm -hmm. and they're going to organize a lot of the logistics like meals, um, particularly on game days, or if there's like, for example, we were on the road for the Super Bowl, and so that person will organize a party for the players, and that's awesome. They'll do hotels, flights, all of that good stuff, Um, and they take care of seat assignments on the plane, and for the most part, we usually sit in approximately the same place and my goodness, if you can sleep, you try. I, I'm not a good plane sleeper. So, so I usually play Switch. 
Yeah. Um, some people do sleep on the plane. There, There's a whole culture about the plane sleeping. So it's very interesting that that was called out. JT has to take, he calls it the cocoon. He has oh, to yeah. fully cover the blanket completely over his head so that you cannot see any inch of his body <laughs> if he's going to sleep. And if you don't do that, then JT and Everett Fitzhugh do take pictures of you. Oh. Sleeping oh. on the plane. <laughs> Interesting. I don't think I'm exposing anything, and I don't believe they've done anything so, with Just for, like, our group, though. So this is not everyone on the plane. This is just, like, our little, like, media group. So it's a little bit of a vulnerable position. You can choose. I have not done the cocoon, and I don't think they've ever abused any um, photo-taking opportunities of me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that but, I know of either for me. Yeah, yeah, but they do it to definitely do our producer and our director and do each other. <laughs> so the cocoon is not so much about uh, your own like comfort. It's just to make it so that you don't get pictures taken of you. That would be a question for JT, but that is my okay. understanding. All right, let's write that down. We'll yeah. put a we'll put a statement. I have pictures one. of JT in his cocoon. Mm-hmm. All right. Those are, those are the questions that will that will uh, end on. I think that's good. Um, we have uh, we'll just do one, well, two segments because uh, we're we're running pretty long here with the experience. Um, <laughs> Sorry, no, it's quite no, all right. I, it's great. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we'll move on to our weekly one timers. They did it oh together. God. That was, that was really good. Wow, we did it. nailed it. Let's go. <laughs> we didn't even practice that. No, we didn't. <laughs> Uh, Chris Chalios had his jersey retired on the day that Patrick Kane returned to Chicago and Patrick Kane wouldn't you know scored the overtime winner how did that make did anyone have any feelings about this I grew up in the era of Minnesota Wild fandom where I do not like anything good happening to the Chicago Blackhawks and I never wanted to cheer for Patrick Kane in my life I know he's a very good hockey player and I respect that skill and talent but I have I don't know. I just, yeah. I'm just never like gonna celebrate Patrick Kane from a personal petty fan level. Sure, <laughs> you're not alone. I don't. think. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I'm alone yeah. at all. You're not alone in this room. In fact, yeah. Um, it was. Mm. I mean, you say you never want to see good things happen to the Blackhawks, but also like Patrick Kane was always a big part of that, and now exactly. he's on the Red Wings and he scored against the Blackhawks. It's that is true. That's a is weird, true. weird thing. I'm gonna just say one thing. One bit of respect towards Patrick Kane, because I think there's few in the league or in sports in general that would have a night like that where you know that you're like a big part of the story and you get a chance with the puck on your stick in overtime with a breakaway and you just there's no doubt in anyone's mind that you're going to score and you do it, you know, and like I don't think. I think there's a lot of people that would just kind of wilt in that scenario, myself included. Like if you if I had a chance with, you know, the the I need to come up with the big save in this biggest game, I would just get scored on. Right. Like that's just how it would go. So um, I think it's probably a bit of respect needs to be sent in terms of his skill for that reason. I agree. But I don't like him. Yeah, exactly. Like I agree. But also that's a big reason why like when I was a Minnesota Wild fan, why I didn't like him is because he could do that kind of yeah. thing. And it was annoying. It was really and frustrating. they always did. I know. They always where, did. Where are you with Chris Chelios? Mm. Uh, I respect the hell out of Chris Chelios. Also as- Wisconsin. As a, yeah. Yes, as a former reporter for the Wisconsin Badgers, I have learned so much about his legacy and his importance and how much he gave to that program. And he, I have met him once before, like every single person I've ever met in the Wisconsin Hockey Organization, class act, treated me like a human being. I only met him once, but it was just like no 
no skin off his back, just like super great and happy for him. I heard he used to the come back is amazing. when he was playing. He used to come back and get in shape with the University of Wisconsin That team. doesn't surprise me. I wouldn't be and surprised. And he's like a, he's psycho fitness level too. i wouldn't be surprised yeah. if somebody said joe pavelski was still doing that to be <laughs> honest like people like badgers ride and die for badgers especially in that hockey program i feel curtis i kind of cut you off did you have a thought on patrick kane no i thought it was just uh, i'm no fan of the blackhawks either okay due to 2013 but uh the, it was kind of cool that the the whole stadium erupted when he scored mm. uh, you know for the for the visitors, yeah. you know that that was that was a cool moment. I did at least give him that. And Patrick Kane, I when he signed, I think you know we thought it was kind of a minor deal. It wasn't really, but he's really played well this year. Yeah. He's played above my expectations. So I got an inside. I got an inside scoop from him last week. You guys want to hear it? Yes. So if you look at his stick blade, what are you giggling about? <laughs> you can't tell us. This is the experience. It's we not important. To... We're listening. So uh, he has these like crisscross pattern on his stick blade now it's because he said that he was just trying something out i asked him just trying something out and the goalies in like on his team thought that it was harder to pick up the puck with that crisscross and now he's continued to do it his tape job is that yep. what you're saying mm-hmm. on his blade on his blade hmm. he's got like a like you know how you'll use like the the puck to like yep it, either that or yeah. wax right so he's got like this crisscross pattern there you go i All take right. it back he's just cheating so maybe that's what yeah. it is yeah um, i like that theory yeah yeah. That he's cheating? Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Kane's cheating. Yeah. You heard it here. I yeah. wouldn't disagree with it. Yeah. Um, we are crow-based, but we will also talk about Patrick Kane cheating. Crow-based? Yeah. Crow-centric. Crow and Kane. You know what? Uh, I wanted to mention, for some reason, do you guys do the thing when you go home from games and you've been, especially the more stressful ones, is it really hard to go to bed at night? Yes, I yeah. never Absolutely. sleep. As everyone who's ever traveled with me is aware, I don't ever sleep home or away, but especially on the road. And then after a stressful game, just game six, nights. Well, game nights, no. Mostly. Well, but mostly, especially on game nights. But I just am not a good sleeper in general. But the mm-hmm. worst thing is when we're like two time zones mm-hmm. over and we had a shootout or an overtime game, and then we flew after. Next thing I know, it's four thirty in the morning and. I'm just sending Allison memes at five, six. She's like, <laughs> oh, when did you go to say, sleep? What a great time for music, but no, good time well, for memes. Well, when I'm on the road, I yeah. don't have a guitar or anything. I don't yeah. have anything. At home, I definitely will go home and I'll go play my guitar a little mm. bit. And That's cool. It helps a lot. As a lot of probably people who follow me on Twitter know, because a lot of times I'll go home from <laughs> a game night. and then like yeah. one in the morning, yeah. I got yeah. like a little video I shot on my photo booth on my laptop. I'm like, get a load of this, you guys. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that the other night, I forget which game it was, but I went home and I was like not anywhere close to it was super late and I was nowhere close to falling asleep. And I went down this rabbit hole because we were talking about the World Cup of Hockey their last week or two weeks ago. And somebody was like, hey, somebody responded to us on Twitter and they're like, well, that 96 World Cup of Hockey, because you said something about like they you didn't think they'd try hard and maybe they won't because it's only a four team tournament. But uh, they're like, hey, what about that 96 tournament? Which I remembered vaguely. I was like seven or eight years old when it happened, but I remember watching it. But so I went and watched the like 15 minute recaps of all three because they played a three game series, USA and Canada. Oh, like to in the final. And this was like, talk about going down memory lane, Alex Barry Boulay style. This was <laughs> hockey nostalgia. Like you can't even believe. And they are just beating the ever living hell out of each other in a way that they never would do 
in today's game, you know, but oh my God, it was just an absolute war. So I encourage people to go watch that. And Chris Chelios was one of the, one of the central figures on that team. So, um, Ooh, it's great. You guys got to watch it. You got to go watch it. So it takes about 45 minutes. That was a journey to make a point. To get through, to get through all three. Although how did you say the word V-A-G-U-E? Vag. Vague? No, vag. It's like bagel. Do you say bag too? Or do you say bag? <laughs> bag. A, a lot of Minnesotans say bag. No, I say bag. bag. This is oh, the yeah, problem. What you got? What's it's in your bag? It's back in my bag the it's other day. Very vague. Curtis, it's vague. This is the problem. Uh, it's vague. Yeah. This yeah, is sure. the problem that I've been dealing with because. <laughs> this is the problem. I think Cloud's north of Minneapolis. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Are oh, you yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You, oh, yeah. It's only about an hour and a half. But you still right say vague. Oh, geez. But you still yeah, say vague. Yeah. Also, my parents are not from Minnesota, so they don't. They never had accents. So I didn't. Uh, I didn't adopt that. Maybe that my parents are from Chicago, so maybe I have like some Chicago accent that I don't realize. I don't so think you don't in say Chicago vague. says vague. It says vag or whatever you said. Piper, do you say bagel or bagel? I say bagel. God. Do you say? <laughs> but my stepmom, who was born and raised in Minnesota, says bagel. I'm okay. See, I'm convinced. And a lot of my friends from there say bag. I'm pretty convinced that Minnesotans that say it that way say it right, and the rest of the world is wrong. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about Duck Duck Gray Duck? I'm a Gray Duck oh, fan. Okay. Well, are you I a Gray Duck person? That. I am a Gray Duck fan, but I know that we're wrong, but I still am. Right. So we asked Carson Coolman, and we we're like Duck Duck Gray Gray Duck or Duck 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 Goose when he was on this podcast a long time ago, and he said. Uh, it's duck, duck, goose, because once you go north of, and I forget what the cutoff is, but there's a specific cutoff. Maybe it's north of St. Cloud, because he's from Cloquet. Mm-hmm. If you go north of St. Cloud, I think it was, they say duck, duck, goose. I so. don't know. I bet in Bemidji they're saying duck, duck, gray duck. You'd think so. I think so. Yeah. Think uh, our so. next weekly one-timer. <laughs> is that about Patrick Kane, or what were we talking about? That was about, yeah, Pat- yeah okay. Chris Chelios' jersey <laughs> yeah. getting retired. Um, Matt Rempe. I'm. I just want to say I'm like a. I'm a little worried about him. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest. Exactly. I did not like those photos today. I sent no. them to Jake and I. Okay. I didn't. I looked. I couldn't see him. Can you show me the photos? Yeah. Yeah. He's just got very like. He looks like he's been punched a lot, a lot, a lot. So. Um. I mean, it's. I, I, on one hand, I'm like, wow, it's really impressive that he has the guts to go. Look at him. Battle some of these. Like really that, well-known fighters. That's too much. But on that the other, is too much. On His the other brain hand, is still developing. Yeah, I don't this like it at all. This is my empathetic side of yeah. this game. I don't like that. But I just Devil's Advocate coming in from the top yeah, rope here. Let's see. Oh, oh no. Actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm the, the, the good advocate. I think. Yeah. Not the, no, no, not the no. devil. Um, Angel's no, Advocate, I think, I, is what yeah. that's called. Is that right? No, I just okay. made that up. Um, I mean, he's doing, you know, he has three of these fights now on his first shift. It's like, what is that even? What, what is what, it doing? What point does that have for the no. game? Like, what what benefit are you conveying on either team by that? And I, so I am, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of all those fights. I also I'm also not those... a fan of the hate on Nathan Bastion, but that's a different thing. Ooh. I thought those like staged fights were also supposed to get outlawed, where they like talk about it in advance of the game. And I thought that was something they did away with a long time ago, somehow. Anyway. No, I don't think so. Our, those are our weekly one-timers. We close the show. Whoa, 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 whoa. We got one in there that I need to talk about. Okay. The Ice Queens film showing on March 9th. Okay. Do you have something to say for yourself, Allison? What do you mean? That sounds accusatory. What's the problem? Sure How did we not know about this? It's it's. Did they announce it today? It's not. That is outside of my realm of responsibilities. Okay. It's very low-key. So Ice Queens is a film production about um, 
black hockey female hockey players. Okay. Done by friend of the pod, Kwame Mason. Oh yeah. Okay. And there's going to be a talk back at what is it? The Egyptian in uh, Capitol Hill. It's uh. It's it's the Capitol Hill Stiff, which I think is the yes. Egyptian. And the tickets are free. Wow. But there's going to be a panel with an esteemed panel. Kwame will be here. Mm-hmm. Allison will be on it. I'm moderating. Moderating. Yep. Namita, friend mm-hmm. of the pod. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, missing somebody. Um, uh, Kendall. Kendall Coin. Kendall no, Tyson. Ken- Kendall Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. anyway, it's free tickets. Mm-hmm. November 9th. Go to sift.net probably. March 9th. March 9th. Sorry. What did, what did say? you say? November? Yeah, whatever. Might be November 19th. Put it on your calendar. Might for, be eight months. Yeah. Later. End of the year. I was just like surprised. It's like randomly popped on, on the schedule anyway. Okay. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Those are weekly one-timers. Now, are you willing to share what you're giggling about? No. Okay. You got to close it out. Oh, yeah. Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, we close the show with our tweets of the week. Who has it? Well, just raise your hand if you have a tweet of the week. Allison has one. Oh, everyone. Okay. Let I think ladies first. Go right ahead. So my tweet of the week comes from John Scott, mm-hmm. former NHL All-Star. Sure. Uh, MVP, Speaking I believe. Speaking of yes. fighters. Who, uh, so Mike Camito, who if you don't know him on Twitter, he's written a couple books. He's also a very good historian of the game. He'll put out daily factoids of on this date, such and such happened. So he put out, on this day in 2012, the Rangers acquired John Scott from the Blackhawks in exchange for a fifth round pick in 2012. And he hashtags it. And John Scott, John Scott quote tweets that and says, my first day I got to the rink early to make a good impression, ran into torts in the hallway. He looked at me and asked what I was doing there. He had no idea that Sather had traded for me. He was like, quote, all right, no idea what we're going to do with you, though. End quote. Wow. <laughs> Excellent. What a welcome. Indeed. Piper? Well, my tweet of the week is a little bit different. It comes from an account called Sound of Hockey, which I believe is run by an intern that I've yet to meet. But as we discussed earlier in the show, Allison and I happened to show up wearing nearly the same exact (laughs) outfit, and somebody memed us. I don't know who. I don't know. Somebody (laughs) memed us into the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme format. Mm -hmm. Um. With green pants. With green pants. And cut our faces out of the original photo <laughs> and then didn't even caption it with anything insightful other than graphic design is my passion. <laughs> but it was a banger, so, so credit good. where credit is that's, due. That's a pretty good tweet by whoever sent that one. <laughs> Our intern. Man. Are they an unpaid intern? I think Definitely so. Unpaid. An unpaid yeah. intern. No, there will be Man. no salary for that intern. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John. Uh, mine's actually a comment. Okay. Of the week, uh, which comes from Matt. He responded to the three takeaways story mm-hmm. about the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Said, "Kudos to Bruins fans for threw, who that threw their hats on the ice for a non hat trick, and they got to win, see their team lose in OT. You hate to see it. Mm. So. You do hate to see it. Yeah. I uh, love it. I noticed your comment by the way that you have in fact seen the movie Major League because I called you out in three takeaways. That's right. And I see most." Sports movie, you can kind of yeah, that makes sense. like angels in the outfield or rookies or something. Rookie of the year, yeah, whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so we didn't actually circle back on like when I said we're going to talk about KFC fried chicken because we were going to talk about uh, which, by the way, I guess that's re- that's redundant, right? Because it's Kentucky Fried Chicken, fried chicken. If you say K- KFC fried chicken, what they say in the movie, I don't know. But uh, so Hackstall mentioned that 
when I asked him last night about Andre Burakovsky and I was like, he's got to score soon, don't you think? And he was like, yeah, actually, we were just saying 10 minutes ago that we're going to bring in a bucket of KFC chicken similar to uh, what happened with Pedro Serrano in uh, Major League. So um, I love that Dave said that. That was funny. That was pretty good. It was really out of for. It was a little out of left the field, vibe, yeah. if you will. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis. Uh, I'll tell you who sent this tweet afterwards because okay. it's kind of the point of the tweet. But uh, the tweet is surprise. We can't believe it's been eight years since we suited up. Let's blow the roof off this place, Vancouver. We have some fun stuff planned. It's from the Green Men. Oh yeah, mm. and the Green Men returned for the yeah. Bruins game over the weekend. And uh, if you haven't seen the Green Men, uh, because maybe you're new to hockey the last eight years, just look them up. Uh, they're um, you know a, a couple of Vancouver Canucks fans who are in the front row right by the penalty box and do all sorts of fun shenanigans. And they were up to it again on Saturday night with the Bruins in town who, you know, I think mm-hmm. the Canucks hate more than anyone else. So mm-hmm. it, was it was a fun good. time. That was, was good. good. That was good a good picks. bit. And they made a big spectacle out of them returning too, they which did. I really Yeah, they got like a entrance. Yeah, it was yeah, a team was cool. sponsored thing. Yeah. It was really, really great. My tweet of the week is not hockey related at all. Well, Maybe it is hockey related. Um, it comes from, it's actually a baseball tweet and it's a video. It's from uh, Philly's Muse and it's a video of um, Bryce Harper hitting a home run, but his uh, area down below has like this black uh, cover over it because of what's been happening with the Fanatics uniform. Mm-hmm. It just makes me laugh so hard because like when he swings the bat, the the black like blur out like swings as well and <laughs> and then uh all the people on the bench are like jumping up and down and theirs are also covered because of <laughs> fanatics being so um so much fanatic-y. in the yeah fanaticy uh, it is interesting though now that hockey is shifting to fanatics next season it does make me wonder where that's uh yeah we're all excited about it where that's heading so um i had a tweet lined up that i wanted to well I wanted the intern to send it out and I recommended the intern that they send it. And John told me not to send it, but uh, I was going to tweet. John told you to tell the intern not to send it. Yes. Sorry. Thank you. He told me not to send it to the intern. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I said told me not Mm -hmm. to send it. A couple chains of command. Yes. Yeah. It's a hierarchy. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Every tweet that gets sent from at sound underscore hockey is very much uh, (laughs) carefully curated. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a whole team. Um, it's but not so vague. It says how the <laughs> it's not vague. How, or vague. <laughs> how the Stanley Cup presentation will look after Fanatics takes over the uniforms next year. And then it's uh the picture of the guy from Slapshot after he totally strips out of all his clothes and he's just in the jock strap holding up the trophy. So that was gonna be the tweet that Sound of Hockey inter- intern was considering sending. I out. think that should have gone out. It didn't go through the approval process. Yeah. I think I don't know. Funny. I think HR made the right call there, on that there's one. There's a John. point where I like it. I'm just kidding. Are we a hockey media company that, or like, would 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 TSN ever send something out like that? Maybe. And that's why you're different, John. I, I do know that. I do know that. And, Sound and of they're... hockey, TSN, same footprint, really. <laughs> I mean, you well, guys you have so many chains is? of command. I, you know the I parallel mean, is probably get there someday. Bar Down, which yeah. is owned by TSN, I think. Oh, so. interesting. Mm, and we're in Bar Down Studios. Yeah. That's a good point. So, which when we named it that, I don't think we knew, I didn't know about the Bar Down brand we this was differently obviously many years ago that's yeah. true two hours even yeah. if you did who cares yeah, yeah. great Screw point them. great point yeah they they always respect not listening. To, they always respect uh <laughs> other people's yeah creative 
work. All right. Uh, we've gone on for far too long. Thank you both so much for doing this. This has been incredibly fun. Um, Thanks for having us. Yeah. We like spending time together and we like spending we time with you. Yes. Well, we're big fans of okay, both of your see work. You next week. <laughs> yep. Oh, wait, you'll be on the road. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what episode are we on? 276? Yes. That's right. And that wraps up 276. Wait, are, before we, are we doing this, Piper? Do you want to do this? I don't know. Okay. You got to do it. <laughs> You gotta do it. We're on the fly. We haven't we haven't rehearsed though. Okay, that's the beauty. I don't know what we're doing. So I kind of know. I sent it to you. Mm -hmm. We're doing it. It's a long bit before it gets to. uh, Okay. Come on. uh, I'll. I'm not that confident in my soprano. Be proud. proud. Come on. Okay. And that wraps up 276 of the Sound of Hockey podcast. Thank you for our two reviewers whose names I forget. (laughs) Thank you all the the. Patreon supporters and the people who submitted questions. And thanks to our wonderful, wonderful, amazing guests, Piper and Allison, the experience. And um, still trying to figure out um, what else to say because it seems like you need a little more time, but I will wrap it up. Thank you. Over sideways and under on a magic carpet ride. A whole new world. A new fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no on where to go. Or say we're only dreaming. A whole new world. I'm the wrong key. Don't you dare close your eyes. I'm in the wrong key. Hold your breath. It gets better. Okay, that's enough. No yeah. one to tell us no on where, where to, to go. go. Everyone, or say we're, we're only dreaming. <laughs> we're singing the same lyrics. You over. know, 